Welcome to the Popcorn for One fortnightly podcast. Grab your popcorn and make sure you're sitting comfortably. Popcorn for One is about to review some classic and not so classic films for you all to enjoy. It may even want to make you watch these films yourself. It's Sunday, the 2nd of January, 2022. Happy New Year. Welcome to Popcorn for One, the awards episode. We got there. We got to the new year. Congratulations, people. Well done. It's been an up and down roller coaster over the last 12 months, hasn't it? But we're there. We're here. And it's time for me to hand out some awards. Gonna have a quick run through about what I've watched in the week up to last Sunday. And then we'll get on with talking about films I've loved in the last year, films I haven't, the all important top 10, and the golden buzzer, the 2021 Cinema Club Golden Popcorn Film of the Year. Yeah. I'm so excited to tell you all this is going to be amazing! Yay! So we're now going to go through what I've been watching in the last week-ish. Well, actually, it's a week before, but it's so that then we can be back on track when we get to the next episode of the podcast. So there was quite a bit, which I will explain as we go along. Um, so after last time, I was sitting there going, oh, I won't watch anything on the Sunday. I've got a busy week. I'm going to go to bed earlier. Da, 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 da. I found Independence Day on film four. And it was at the point where um, Jeff Goldblum works out what's exactly going to happen and that he's got to try and save the president and his ex-wife. So I watched it from there and I've watched it in bed and I watched it all. And for someone that had only seen the iconic bits up until May or June or whenever it was this year, suddenly to then have seen it almost in its entirety twice in the last year makes me realise actually this is a really good film. So yeah, I did Independence Day. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> it's still good. Um, then this is on my list of films, but I had my sister around. We decided back in like October that we were going to have a blankie and vegan and festive film watch an evening on the way up to Christmas. Uh, we'd all been testing because we'd all been seeing people and we were fine and we sat here and we went through Netflix and we went through my DVD collection and we went through Disney Plus trying to decide what to watch. And I was just like, oh, I'll just have a look on BBC, see what they've got. And they still had both the Gavin and Stacey Christmas specials on there. So we sat here and we watched the original Christmas special, which we quoted word for word, and then the one from two years ago, which is perfection as well and still not over that cliffhanger and we sat there and we both had a little bit of a cry and a hug and talking about Christmas and how things have changed over the last couple of years and then sat there and went if you actually want to show someone what an actual British Christmas is you show them two Gavin and Stacey specials and we both agreed that when we last watched Gavin and Stacey back in 2019 when it was Christmas special and the entire country stopped to watch it on Christmas day that was the last time anything was normal that's sad. <laughs> but yeah, so that was proper reminiscing. Um, then after that, um, I decided to, because obviously there's a lot of cool stuff that's now available on iPad because everyone just pumps out the films at Christmas, which is always good. Um, the Wrong Trousers was on there and it's still the greatest chase scene of all of cinema. 
and it's the perfect amount of time to get your dinner to, isn't it, 30 minutes? So I watched that. <laughs> then we went back into the Christmas spirit. I put Elf on, and I was doing so well, and I thought, oh, I wasn't going to cry, I wasn't going to well up, it would be fine. And then she stands on that sleigh and goes, you better watch out, you better not cry. Yep, I cried. <laughs> Oh, it's brilliant. It's, oh. It's obnoxious. I know that. Buddy Bealf is obnoxious, but it is brilliant. And it's so clever and it's so sweet. And again, it's what a modern Christmas is all about, really, isn't it? It's just, yeah, it's pretty darn cool. Uh, then um, I wanted to, then, no, not I wanted to. Um, Well, I did want to. Yeah, we'll just go on that theme, shall we? I wanted to watch um, Jingle Jangle, A Christmas Journey on Netflix last year and never got around to it. And then when I did the rest of my house, because I lived at home, we were just like, oh, well, who are we going to watch? We're going to watch this or we're going to watch that. Oh, someone's down the floor. It's because it's New Year. It's early, 6 p.m. Huh. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to watch Jingle Jangle and I watched it and we spent 50 minutes in Act 1, 15 minutes in Act 2, and 50 minutes in Act 3, and it finished, and it was far too happy, and it was far too... And it... Oh, it did my head in. Oh, I just couldn't get on with it. There were bits that were clever and a bit, like, sweet, but there were bits where it was just like, no, there's no rhyme nor reason to it. That's irritating, that's bad. Yeah, that won't be one that I go back to again. You know, there's Christmas films that are cheesy and tacky for the sake of it, and you know it, but this was just trying to be clever and trying to be everything, and it just didn't work on any level, and that upset me quite a bit. So after that, it was still 23rd of December, but my boss, after having a pretty hectic week, um, decided... At about half four on Thursday, but actually, we're going to shut for Christmas Eve as well. <laughs> so I was like, hi, hey, what else can I watch? And I realised that if I started watching Die Hard due to the time, Hans Gruber would fall off of the Nakatomi Plaza on Christmas Eve. Okay, it'd be the morning of Christmas Eve, not the evening of Christmas Eve, if you get me. But I just say, I thought, yeah, because tomorrow night I'm entertaining. I don't know what else is going on tomorrow. So yeah, so I put Die Hard on. And Die Hard is a Christmas film. I won't have you say any other way. It is also one of my favourite films of all time. So, therefore, it is always a Christmas watching for me because, you know, I mean, I do watch it at other points of the year, but you should watch Die Hard at Christmas is what I think, definitely. So, yeah, I watched Die Hard, and you always have to applaud Alan Rickman and the fact that that was his first film role. I mean, <sighs> Ben Mendelsohn walks because Alan Rickman jogged. <laughs> Oh, yeah. God bless you, Alan, wherever you are. But it's still brilliant. It's so clever. And I think you all got a bit irritated with me just posting clips of various diehard things over WhatsApp. And thank you to the Nakatomi Corporation on Instagram who keep a rundown as to when Hans is going to fall off the Nakatomi Plaza. Good on them. It's hilarious. Then it was Christmas Eve. And I watched a lot on Christmas Eve, but not actually that much for that long. So I woke up in the morning and I opened my advent calendar and I got my breakfast ready and I sat down and thought, oh, what can I watch? What's on telly? Channel 5 was showing the Rugrats movie. I've not seen the Rugrats movie since I was about 13. 
So I sat there and I watched an hour's worth of Rugrats movie. It was really sweet and you sit there and think, oh, I don't know why. I, but actually, I do know why I was scared of those monkeys when I was little because they're quite big, aren't they? Quite like, but no, no, it was very clever. As an adult now, looking back at it, you appreciate it, but it's properly heartwarming. Like, Remember, stayed on the Wallace and Gromit effect, and I watched A Close Shave, which was like their biggest ever TV Christmas Day special um, all those years ago. I remember being told I could stay up to watch Wallace and Gromit when I was about like six or seven. Was I six? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would have been six. I'd just been six when A Close Shave was on on Christmas Day. So I was told I could stay up to watch that because it was on at like eight o'clock. So that was. That always holds a special part. And I always think that as being kind of festive film, even though it's not. But that's good. Um, there was also on telly um, Frozen, which I did stop halfway through to go and do something or speak to someone on the phone. Um, but I've watched most of Frozen again. That means I've watched Frozen twice in the last month. That's, that's not that bad. <laughs> but it was still good. And I was doing so well. And I was thinking, no, no, I'm not going to cry. We're going to be all right. I mean, I love this. Some, some people were off Melton for and that was that. <laughs> um, and then I was having a flick about and I found Shrek the Halls, which I've never seen, which was really weird, but was actually quite good. You know, it's the kind of thing that you'd expect Shrek to do to not properly put on at Christmas and do all of that. It was all the correct voices. It worked, but it wasn't I, I say I watched it. I had it on while I was doing stuff, but I did actually stop stuff to actually even look at something or then go back and be like, hang on, hang on, what happened there? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So I was actually paying attention to it. And it's like the night before Christmas speech was quite nice. But other than that, yeah, it passed the time, I guess, until I went to go and pick people up. I then went and picked people up and entertained on Christmas Eve. Yeah, I hosted Christmas Eve. Ah. <laughs> um, And then once everyone had left, I was sitting there going, I want to watch something before I go to bed. I can't go to bed now. I'm wide awake. I've got stuff to finish tidying up and things to sort out before I leave to for the next couple of days I, when I go and see people. So I went through Disney Plus and I was looking for something with a bit of snow in it. So I didn't really want to watch something necessarily Christmassy. So I put on Anastasia, which you already have to talk about over this year and how the animation is actually really poor and it's really bad. Um, but... It filled a gap, I guess. It made me feel a little bit festive. The songs are still pretty good. And, yeah, yeah, it was all right, actually. Yeah, yeah. I had a lot of Prosecco and Fizz and wine. And <laughs> was then on to Bailey's at that point. So that was the case of that. And then the glorious Christmas Day happened. And Santa actually came to visit me. I know. How Santa, I mean, I know Santa knows everything, but I live on my own. How the hell does Santa do a stocking for me? Good man. <laughs> so I opened my stocking and I got my breakfast. I was like, oh, what can I watch when I have my breakfast? So I found this year's Ardman for the BBC, not Robin Robin, which I'd already seen, but Sean Rasheed for Flight Before Christmas, which was beautiful it was so well animated it was so modern it was so clever and that sheep's just amazing and so funny and it was a perfect little 35 minute pick me up that i needed to have while i was busy sorting out everything i needed to do and so much so that i was busy um putting stuff in boxes and then something happened in the film and i actually stood there for five minutes watching it. i was like i need to sit back down 
So, yeah, I watched Sean the Sheep Flight before Christmas. You can still get that on iPlayer. I think it will be on Netflix as of March as well. But it's good. It's Sean and Armin at their finest. Good on them. And then there was no other films on Christmas Day because Christmas Day was going to see my sister and her husband and my grandma and her, my sister's husband's family as well and my parents and... Yeah, so I went and spent Christmas night at my parents and was there all of Boxing Day. And while we were there on Boxing Day, we found two films on BBC One that we watched. So my dad had never seen Beauty and the Beast for redoing from a couple of years ago. I say a couple of years ago. It's almost like, it's almost five, yes, yeah, five years ago comes April. Ah. Oh, no, it feels like yesterday. Oh, God, I'm getting old. <sighs> So, yeah, we watched Beauty and the Beast, and I still can't get my head around the fact that Josh Gad opens his mouth and Olaf's voice comes out, especially when it's something musical as well. And it's just like, he's not in summer, is he? But, yeah, no, no, it was it was still good. Um, we all had a cry because uh, the cinematography had to be spot on, and my mum had a cry because she remembered that it was when they, the original Beauty and the Beast film, they bought me vhs years upon years ago as a thank you for well not a thank you as a being brave for being a big sister and mummy and daddy being in hospital and things like that going on and so she was having a cry about it. and dad was having a cry because he hadn't seen it before going oh my god this is magical and i was just having a cry going it is magical it's one of the best bits of cinematography models in the mom that does oh so yeah and then just to add to the emotional turmoil once beauty and beast have finished and we watched football focus we got the last well, the last hour and 20, a Paddington. <sighs> you know how I feel about that little bear. I love that bear. That bear's adorable. Yeah. Oh, I was really proud because my mum, <laughs> then um, the following day when it was on, um, Paddington 2 was on, she then texted me and went, I've watched Paddington 2. I'm a wreck. I'm like, I'm at the cinema. Well, I'm a wreck as well. <laughs> Not at Paddington 2, but at but that can wait for next time so that is what i watched up to boxing day 26th december do you americans have boxing day what do you call it or do you just call it the day after christmas do you have a bank holiday for it that was a genuine serious question (laughs) but yeah so that was a lot of film in one week i mean this current week we're only on friday one two three four five six i've done eight films already and there will be at least two more to add to that list if not three (laughs) so yeah no it's that was a busy week for film considering I was very busy as well I got a lot watched got an awful lot watched but that's what an extra day is off does for you doesn't it really yay so yeah that's what I watched I think it's time we now chatted don't you awards it's time to hand out some golden popcorns. It's time to hand out the Popcorn for One 2021 Film Awards. Yay! Oh. So I wrote this during the week, um, one evening, and since I've written it, all I want to do is tell everyone exactly what I've given them. So to actually say it out loud and to actually speak those words is actually going to be quite huge for me. I was going to be like, ah, yes, oh my God. Ah, ah. So I'm really excited. Um, I'll try and get the 
blog post up at the same time as this. It might be a bit difficult, but it will come up in the next couple of days if it doesn't. So apologies if that's not already there. There will be some that will be missed on this list, but we'll do that. So I'm just going to have a quick go through of some of the lesser awards. Awards, you've all watched award ceremonies on TV, haven't you? You all know that there's the film of the year, like Best Actor, Best Actress, and a couple of other ones which are quite important, Best Screenplay, Best Adapted Screenplay, Lifetime Achievement, things like that. And there's other awards which people don't actually care about, but some people do. So we are going to go through some of them. Um, so that's what we're going to do first. And then we're going to go through my top 10 films of the year. And then we're going to go through the 10 big awards of the year. I say we're going to go through the top 10 films of the year. We're actually only going to go up to nine. <laughs> because then it ruins what wins Golden Buzzer, doesn't it? <sighs> what wins the Golden Buzzer and film of the year? So that's the plan. So overall for the 2021 popcorn awards um previous years i'd handed out lots handed up one year i think i handed up out up to 60 awards um but last year obviously i cut back quite a bit i was like no don't need that no don't need that no haven't that's not applicable this year because no one went out this year i added some of the older ones back but i had a proper go through it and be like well we don't need that award anymore we don't need this one so there's 41 awards in total i'm not going to read all 41 out for you we're just going to go through some of the ones where you just think oh okay yeah fine all right so let's do that we're going to start with an award which i class as a biggie but isn't actually that much of a biggie to other people but you know why not? Um, it's the Animal Performance in a Film Award in honour of this one from Hot Fuzz. There are some very clever animals in some films this year, be it animated or um, CGI or, you know, the, the fox in The Green Knight was pretty good. There were some cool animated ones in Encanto and in Luca. But there was one animal that stole the show. Even more so than the dog in Hawkeye. That sounded a lot. And it was a pig. In pig. That pig was only on screen for, what, six, seven minutes? I adore that pig. That pig is so cute. It is so beautiful. And it is absolutely amazing. And to not commend that pig and leave that award off this very short little run through of what's been going on um, is saying a lot. Um, so I've got to mention it. So the pig takes home the Hot Fuzz Swan Animal Performance Award for 2021. Rightly so as well. <laughs> um, we're now going to move on to an award for best performance in another eyes crap rubbish film. Now, they weren't all rubbish. There were some that were quite good. But I went for someone that I was not expecting by the time we got to the end of this film series to be actually gutted for. And that is Billy Burke. But who is Billy Burke, I hear you say? Billy Burke is Bella Swan's father, Charlie Swan, in Twilight. He was one of the best film and TV dads I've seen this year. He really was. He was amazing. And when he get when it got to the end, it was just like, oh no, don't kill Charlie, please don't nothing, please let nothing come 
to harm off Charlie. Please, no, he needs to be okay. Come on, Charlie. And that's how good he was because I actually cared about that man <laughs> in this film. That was saying a lot, especially in like the second and the third ones. Well, the second one was atrocious. That's why he's on this list. And that's why he's in that film <laughs> and getting this award. But yeah, he. There was just something about Charlie that he was a good TV and film dad, and you need that. You need that in a film because otherwise there's no stability. He was the only consistent character. Okay, he was stupid, but he was amazing. Good old Charlie. Billy Burke, you've won the best performance in an otherwise crap rubbish film. How about two awards that no one wants to win? What about worst home viewing? So this is a film I've either seen on DVD or on streaming or on TV in the last year. And without a shadow of a doubt, it's even worse than the film that I've picked for worst cinema film, which we'll get to in a minute. But it's Capone. Not even Tom Hardy could save it. That's saying a lot. It was so bad. It was painful to watch. And I almost turned it off. It's like, no, 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 have faith in it, girl. It might work, you never know. It might be good, it might do this, and it might actually turn things about, but no. No, it didn't, and yeah, I didn't enjoy that. It was worse than the worst cinema film of the year, which I don't think I've done this before, but the film I voted worst cinema film of the year was the film the Academy gave Best Picture to. It was Nomadland. <laughs> I was really looking forward to this. I thought I'd get it and I thought it'd be fun. I thought it'd be good. And yeah, it just, I sat there about 20 minutes in thinking that I'd been there for about an hour. And I looked at my watch and I was like, oh, so I've probably got about what, 30 minutes left in it. And when it said it, it had only been like 20 minutes. Like, so where are we going? We're just going to do this for the next hour and a half. We did. <sighs> yeah. I didn't enjoy it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Academy, but hopefully you get something a bit more right this year. <sighs> yeah. <sighs> Nomadland. No, 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 Madland. No to Nomadland. Right. How about quote of the year? There's been a lot of brilliant quotes in the last year in films. But there was one that made me actually sit there and spit out my drink and go, whoa, 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 rewind it, hear it again, laugh my head off, and then rewind it and then actually watch the scene in its full, so that it kept going. And it was Ryan Reynolds in Red Notice. And The Rock asks him, what exactly are we looking for? And Ryan Reynolds' character stands there and I quote says, we're looking for a boxed, a box marked MacGuffin. <laughs> oh, I'm pretty sure the rest of my building heard me laugh a lot when I when that actually did happen. But it really was. A, I'm sorry, you what? Huh? What's going on there? <laughs> it was. Oh, it was amazing. <laughs> As a film nerd, it was properly like yes, 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 yes. yes. I mean, that's the thing I will take away from that film. <laughs> it really is hearing the word MacGuffin be referenced. I mean, there's people that will watch that film and just be like, well, what's a MacGuffin? 
I told my sister about this, about the word MacGuffin, and she did that. And I told her that it was in a film. And then she watched it um, before I saw her for our um, meetup back at the start of when I was telling you what I've been watching this week. And she'd forgotten that I'd said that. And when it got to the MacGuffin thing, she actually had the same reaction and started laughing. And then her husband paused it and went, you need to explain this to me. What's a MacGuffin? And she explained that to him. And she even was like, oh, that makes sense. Ah, is that also itself a worm? Like, yeah, of course it is. <laughs> so, yeah, that was that was pretty cool. That was pretty special. But I share in that moment. So, good on them. <laughs> MacGuffins. Yay. Now for an award which no one wants to win, but you all do because it means you're a good actor. A person I wanted to punch in the face for being such a convincing bad guy. Goes to Tom Cruise. <laughs> for Collateral. I'd never seen Collateral and it was on Netflix and I was having a Tom Cruise week. So it's also the week where Beach Cinema came back and we watched Top Gun and Flying week I was like oh what should I watch on Friday night I like, should keep Tom Cruise theme going really so I watched Collateral and it was an amazing film and I really didn't know where it was going it was so clever and uh, I, I did work out earlier on that it was all linked which probably actually ruined it a bit for me because then when we got to the point where it was like oh all these people are linked and it's all to do with this and da, da, da. I was like, oh, oh I've worked that out too soon oh darn it would have been a brilliant twist <laughs> But I didn't. Well, I did, but, you know. But, yeah, Tom Cruise was such a convincing bad guy in that. It was really good, and it was really clever to see how he actually did it. So, good on you, Tom. Last year you won Best Actor, or was it Leonardo? Oh, I think you won Leonardo DiCaprio Award, which we'll get to later. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that was pretty special. Following on from Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise's Mission Impossible 7 is the film I most want to watch in 2022. However, that appeared on my list for 2021. So in theory, the film that I want to see most in 2022, which hasn't previously been on a wish list at all, is for Love and Thunder. Ah, Hemsworth, YTG, it's all going to be so cool. It's a fab. And Christian Bale, I keep forgetting about Christian Bale's in it. (laughs) Yeah, they're the two films I most want to watch next year. But Mission Impossible was on my wish list for 2021, so... It's now moved to 2022, and for Love and Thunder, is in second place. Mainly because the film that was in second place has now already been moved to 2023. Curse you, John Wick. <laughs> so that's what's happening there. Um, let's talk about who actually won Best Actress this year. This year's Best Actress winner is Vanessa Kirby. For the one film. Normally, Best Actress is, I sometimes go out for a body of work, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, but Vanessa Kirby in Pieces of a Woman was stunning. And it's still a performance while I'm sitting there now thinking about it, thinking, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, she was good. She was very, very good. And, yeah, it was something special. It really was. If you've watched it, you will know what I mean. If you haven't and you think you've got the heart for it, watch uh, Pieces of a Woman and Also, tell me if you can actually grow apples in your fridge, please. (laughs) But no. Yeah. But uh, she didn't win the Oscar. It was a huge shame. Huge, huge shame. (laughs) 
so as I said, that she won that for a one-off film. However, my best actor winner has won it for a one-off film, but also for the amount of films that I've seen with them in this year, one of my most watched actors of the year. Um, Stanley Tucci broke my heart in Supernova, made me feel really inspired watching um, Worth. He's been in the Hunger Games films that I've watched. He was in Beauty and Beast. Um, he was in um, A Private War, which hasn't won any awards at all, which I feel very sad for. But um, it the better films in different categories for that over and above it. Um, but Stanley Tucci's absolutely bossed this year, and he's been one of the best people I've seen in every film that he has been in. And he's absolutely nailed it. And, yeah, Mr. Tucci... You've won Best Actor. Well done, mate. Well done. There is another acting award, which is coming up next, which is for the... Wow! Didn't know they had them in that. It, didn't know if they had it in them performance. So this goes to someone that we know is a good actor. And we've seen them do good stuff before, but it's more for the... Oh, oh okay. Now what? And it's a one-off piece. Um... And it's been a little bit creative for this year, this award. And it goes to Mark Strong for his performance in six days where he's been negotiated to get the people out of the Iranian embassy. It's one of those performances that you sit when you're watching just go, yeah, yeah, that's good. <laughs> and I said that to various people. And since I've said that, four different groups of people have watched six days based on me talking about it and I've all come out and gone like oh the guy from Kingsman was absolutely epic or oh the guy from Shazam did this and this was like yeah 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 so obviously everyone else I knew they had it in them but I'm not sure the rest of the world knew that Mark Strong had that in him so that's why he deserves that award rightly so um now we're going for the surprise film of the year which is a film that didn't really expect at the start of the year it didn't make the list <laughs> you know, I write a list every year of 32 films I want to see. Didn't make the list. Um, but once I'd heard about it, I was like, oh, I should see that. And then it actually lived up to the hype. <laughs> and that belongs to Last Night in Soho. Oh, yeah. I mean, horror is not my thing. Horror, I either do silly horror or really dark psychological horror. And this falls into that bracket. I know it's the two ends of the spectrum. And as someone that doesn't like horror, I shouldn't actually fall into that spectrum at all. But it was amazing. I'd seen it the day before all the Halloween stuff all started and everything like that. It was good. I jumped quite a bit. <laughs> but, yeah, it was really, really good so that's why it's a surprise film of the year because no one saw it coming no one saw it being that good and the fact that there were like 16 year olds trying to get into it about them being kicked out because they didn't have the correct id to get in is saying a lot so that was the surprise film of the year um and finally for this part of this little discussion i'm going to talk about the dvd film of the year the dvd film of the year used to be quite high up this list but it's now been relegated to award number 11 which is a shame, really. Bless it. <laughs> um, mainly because I've changed some of the setup for the top 10 awards I hand out. Um, I saw quite a few DVD films this year. And I was going through it and I was like, oh, it could have been this, it could have been that. And I have previously given it to the likes of 
Inception or um, Guardians of the Galaxy or The King's Speech, things like that. Um, but I decided to go for a film that I hadn't seen before, only because my sister kept saying, you should watch this because it's my second favourite film of all time. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll get onto it. But I couldn't find it. And then she bought it for me for my birthday. So the DVD film of the year is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which lived up to every single thing my sister said. And I completely believed her when she gave it to me and she said, this is going to blow your mind. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. And it did. And it was epic and it was fun and it was sweet and it was beautiful and it was so well written and it was trippy and, oh, yeah. I mean, I did work out something quite early on, but oh, it just worked. And she's right to have that as her second favourite film of all time. I do believe that her favourite film of all time is The Truman Show. I need to actually check that with her. I will ask. Um, but... Yeah, I'm glad I now have that. I'm looking forward to watching it again to see the bits that I missed because I'm sure there's bits that I missed in that film, which I'll probably be doing at some point in the spring, definitely. So that's a little sum up of my awards. I didn't go through 31 for you because that would have taken a little while. So I'm now going to talk to you about the next part of my award handing out. It's time to reveal films number 10 through to three of my top 10 films of the year. I'm saying this because the last two awards will tell you what number two and number one are, which we will get to in a minute when we go through that. So let's very quickly go through the top 10 cinema club films of 2021. Um, but before we do that, we are just going to have a quick shout out to the fact that Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone isn't actually included in this list. I've seen it before and we went to kind of see it as an anniversary film. So it wasn't included in the list. I mean, Harry Potter is one of my favourite film series of all time and it would have definitely have ended up in the top 10. But because I have seen that film before, it's not included so I'm sorry to Harry Potter. I mean, there are some films that have missed out on the top 10 ever so slightly. I'd say that 14 to 11 could have easily have got into previous top 10s in other years. Um, Pig was at 14, In the Heights was at 13, Suicide Squad was 12, and Black Widow was almost in the top 10, was almost i'd say it was a heads or tails moment but what i do every time i write this list at the end of the year is i write down exactly what i've watched and the exact stars i've given it and i put them in star ranking i highlight the ones that i deemed film of the year um and then i sit there and i go through each one and go like did i enjoy that film more than i enjoy that one so they all move so there's a case here where there's a film that's earned five stars um which is appearing as number um eight on my list for the year and there's various films that are four 4.5 stars that i've enjoyed more than it <laughs> i'm sorry shang chi you were really good though you were really good at the time and it was really good and cultural but there's actually 16 films that i preferred above you so that's what I do. So once I've done that for the year, I then do the numbers and swing it through, and then it comes up with that. Um, this year was very interesting because by the time we'd got to doing my top 10, there was three films in contention for 
there's been five films over all that have been in contention for the golden buzzer for film of the year but by the time i actually broke it down there was only three and then when i thought about it there was only actually two which is why we're going to discuss 10 to 3 and you'll find out why with two and one later on so number 10 was last night in Soho. You've heard me talk about that already and the fact that I don't do horror and the fact that I sat on the edge of my chair for so much of the film and it was a complete adrenaline rush and I jumped and I screamed and I was like, ah, what's going on here? And it scared me and it was really clever and it was so well written and the cinematography was amazing and so was the lighting and so was the feel for the era back in the 60s and in the now and it was wonderful. It was wonderful and I really enjoyed it and that's why it scraped past Black Widow by maybe a quarter of a point more maybe. But I enjoyed Last Night in Soho more than Black Widow. I'm so, so Scarlet. (laughs) So that's where that one is. Number nine is West Side Story. I can hear my friend Daryl now screaming at me going, why is this not in your top five? Why is this not number one? Daryl loves West Side Story. Like He was angry when I said that it wasn't probably going to be top five. I was like, how? How's that the case? If it's not in the top ten, something's gone wrong. And then I saw a couple of films near the end of the year and they were also getting there. I was like, no, Charles West Side Story might not make the top (laughs) ten. So, yeah. It has... It was very clever. Um, as I've said previously, I love the fact that when they all speak in different languages, there's no subtitles because you just believe it and you know what they're saying to each other, even though you can't understand it. That was pretty cool and pretty like, oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, so that was pretty darn good. Um, the songs, as always, were amazing. Again, the era for the 50s New York was spot on. It was just so on point. And it was really good. And that's why it's ended up in the top 10 films of the year. <laughs> There's nothing else to say, really. Um, you can still go and watch that at cinemas, by the way. So I recommend you do that soon. <laughs> um, before it leaves for the rest of award season. Although it'll probably come back for award season, won't it? Yeah, it will. Speaking of award season, at number eight was Riz Ahmed's Sound of Metal which my sister finally watched this week and messaged me and went, you went to the cinema to go and see Sound of Metal? I went, yeah, she's like, I'm jealous. I'm like, because you didn't have the surround sound for the noise of the film, mate. She went, yeah. I mean, as much as she's got pretty good speakers and Sonos, and she was like, I can imagine even in the little cinema that you went to go and see in that sound would have been so epic and so like, and the fact that he had a microphone in the back of his mouth and the fact that there's periods of silence and yeah you don't need that film in the cinema for the screen you need it for the noise or lack of it and it was wonderful and it was brilliant and it was one of the first films i saw of year so the fact that it stayed up here and it stayed at number eight is saying a lot for how good it actually was and maybe it should have actually been a bit higher but nah it's it deserves its eighth place spot Seventh Place is the only film on the top ten that I didn't actually at the time give five out of five to. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Or maybe it's the letterbox brainwashing me. (laughs) And their love for Mads. It's another round, or junk, or however the Danish say drunk, 
Um, the more I think about this film and look back at it, the cleverer I realise it actually is. I probably only I probably gave it four point five due to the fact that it typed up the Danish words at the same time it typed up English subtitles in the same thing, so it was a lot to read. Um, but other than that, looking back at it, there's no reason why this film didn't get five stars. I will be changing that when I rewatch it to put it at five. It was so clever. And the music and the vibe and I didn't drink anything when I went to the cinema to see it. Um, but when I left the cinema, I felt like I had a hangover. <laughs> That's how good a film it is. <laughs> um, and there's a scene at the end with the kid from the football team, which broke me and I'm pretty sure when I rewatch it back I'll realise all the commentations in it and I'll probably properly fall apart watching it. So that that definitely deserves a much higher rating other than 4.5 I gave it. It deserves much more than that and it's a very special film. And after being with them throughout all the awards season and everything that went on there and what they did and the story behind the film, it is heartbreaking. It deserves more. That's why you're at seven and another round. At six is The Late Bloomer. It's the film that just snuck in. The film that almost got away due to COVID. <laughs> it's Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, without a shadow of a doubt. As much as I'm saying that Black Widow deserves to be in the top ten and only just missed out by a fraction, Spider-Man No Way Home is the best MCU film of the year. <laughs> Absolutely. 100% the best MCU film of the year. Um. There's been a lot of films this year that have tried to do retro and new and merge it together. You know, we had Space Jam, we had Ghostbusters, we had we had reboots and soft rehashes with old people and new people in it. And Spider-Man, with all his villains and the other people that randomly show up at different points in the film, had a lot of that to deal with themselves and dealt with it perfectly. So why the rest of them have all struggled to do that, I have no idea. But this one did it and nailed it and got it spot on. And I wasn't expecting to cry, and I did cry, and it was amazing, and it was so much fun. And, yeah, I just, it felt like home. <laughs> I left the cinema feeling happy and like, ah. Oh. But I was also on the edge of my seat for the majority of the film, so that, proves that I couldn't work out exactly where we're going. We had a good bit of full, um closure as well where something happened in the previous Spider-Man film and then it had and then something had been readdressed here. That got that got my biggest reaction <laughs> of the film. Yeah. Yeah. Just Spider-Man No Way Home will be in cinemas again for a little while, probably not as long as No Time to Die. Um but it's up there. It's definitely one of the films of the year, absolutely. In fifth place was the first film this year that I considered to give a golden buzzer to. Yeah, yeah, we're up to this point. <laughs> um, it's A Quiet Place Part 2. This feels like it's happened like five years ago, but it only happened in June. <laughs> oh, it was so good again we're going back to like with the sound of metal and the noise and the lack of it and the story and the journey and i like the fact that we went back before the aliens well on the day of the arrival that's the beginning of the film that's not spoiling it for anyone um but i liked that that was very clever and that was a very good way of doing it and it was very good um killian murphy is a brilliant addition to the cast those kids are fantastic 
and you do just sit there and you appreciate this amazingly crafted film and it's just like oh, oh yeah this is good yeah i'm enjoying this and you jump enough and you're scared enough and you are worried that people aren't that are big aren't gonna make out alive which is always a good sign of a film <laughs> when you sit there and go like, oh, oh okay they didn't quite make it oh that's but no it was good it was very good and that's why it was the first contender for film of the year this year um the same that it's come fifth is no shame in a quiet place too. Something's got to come fifth. Like someone's got to come fourth, third and second. You can't all be first, can you? Um, but it still, I still think about it quite a bit. So that's saying a lot. Fourth place was King Richard. Yeah, that's saying a lot. It only just came out. It's just finished in cinemas over here in the UK. It will be back on soon because it'll be award season. And everyone want to give Will Smith an Oscar, which he deserves. <laughs> Um, although we'll get to that next fortnight. Um, maybe it's because I knew the story, you know, as someone that likes watching tennis and has watched Serena play tennis in front of me um, and knows about those kids and has watched parts of the documentary and my parents knew all about it when I was little and didn't really know what was going on. I've grown up with those girls and that family and it was spot on and I loved every single second of it. And... Uh, Belfast has got to be so good to beat this for best picture. It really has. Um, we'll get something on later on, which I don't think we'll get best picture, even though I've put it higher up. Um, but it's it was it was brilliant. It really was. And it didn't matter that I knew what happened in the end and what the story was, because I think it made me enjoy it a lot more. King Richard's at four. Act three is Supernova. Supernova starring Colin Firth and Stanley Tucci. And I know that everyone applauds my father for what it did this year and the story it told and how sad it was and everything like that. However, Supernova just hit home a bit more. I think it was because they were younger and he had a bit more control into what he was doing the other one was a bit more the father broke me but it was probably because I was thinking more of my grandfather whereas I was watching this and this was actually a relationship and a story that worked and was still current and you understood the decisions that were being made when they were still in sound mind and then the not so sound mind and oh it was beautiful and the fact that I saw it as an advanced screening and then spent the next four days going everyone supernova comes out on Friday you need to go and see it Supernova comes out on Friday, you need to go and see it. And it literally, before I started recording this part of the, the podcast, has just turned up from my letterbox from Amazon, which is very good. So I can watch that and fall apart on my sofa and then give it to everyone else so they can fall apart on their sofas watching it. But Supernova was the film that could have really been considered for film of the year, which is saying a lot about the next two. It was stunning and it was amazing. And the some of the scenery and looking at the British countryside was absolutely amazing. It does make you appreciate our little island a little bit and make you appreciate your friends and family and everyone that cares for you along the way. Because, you know, the little jokes they have. Yeah, beautiful, special. Supernova is at three. That's that. I said I was doing 10 to three. Two and one will be revealed when I have my final run through of my last 
10 awards. So this is it. These are the 10 most important awards that I can hand out for the year, for 2021. They are Best Random Recommendation from Letterbox, The Inspirational That Is Stunning Moment, The Leonardo DiCaprio Award for Perseverance and Hard Work, The Film That Hasn't, any, hasn't Won Any Award But Deserves an Award for Being Amazing, The Lifetime Achievement, I Stole the Show, Unsung Hero, First Time Watching Film of the Year, Cinema Film of the Year, which will be where number two is, which you'll find out in a minute, and the Golden Buzzer Popcorn for One Cinema Club Film of the Year. Yeah, I get to share this with you. Oh, oh this has all been kept inside so long and I actually get to say it out loud. You will get to hear it. I hope this isn't a letdown for you because I'm hyped. Number 10, the best random recommendation from someone in the Letterbox community. Letterbox have this thing called Letterbox Fridays where you all sit there and you post your last four watched, which you then go through and you decide who you're going to follow on Letterbox. And I was busy going through it and someone had seen mine and there was a couple of like spy psychological films on it and they went, got a recommendation for you. If you're up for this and that, why don't you watch me Invisible Guest? Well, it's the Invisible Guest. It's in Spanish. Good luck. Let me know when you're done. <laughs> and about two weeks later, I was sitting there and I finished doing something. I was like, oh, what can I watch? And I was sat there. And it just, something else just came up on my thing. I was like, someone recommended the Invisible Guest to me. So I put on the Invisible Guest. It didn't matter that it was in Spanish. <laughs> Oh my god, it didn't matter that it was in Spanish. It was one of the best films of the year. <laughs> There's not many films in the cinema or in DVD world that have or streaming that have beaten the invisible guest. Maybe it's because I didn't know any of the actors because it was all in Spanish, but I really didn't see some of the twists come in. It was so clever and it was so good. And I just sat there and I thought <sighs> when it finished, I was like <sighs> I mean, it didn't help when my Netflix crashed with the last 20 minutes to go at the point where we're about to have a reveal. I was like, what? No, 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 no. So I had to reboot all my TV and get the Netflix back on and sit there and plug it back in. Be like, come on, come on. <laughs> it did pick up where it left off. I was like, thank God for that. <sighs> but no, it was brilliant. So thank you, Letterbox community, for recommending me Invisible Guest. I'm looking forward to whatever you recommend me next year. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be plenty of stuff in 2022 that you tell me to watch. So that'll be that'll be good. That'll be really interesting. Award number nine, the polite word calling it. The inspirational, oh my god, that stunning moment of the year. It wasn't a moment, it was more a feel from a film. It was all the cinematography in June. Seriously. I was sitting there watching something where it was like the top of the Brecon Beacons and there was stuff all over it. And then just a random spaceship came and landed and you just went, oh, okay. It felt like that was real. It felt like you had been transported to the future and you were sitting there watching the film and watching the cinematography and the drawings of how the spaceships were meant to look and the desert and the worms and the lights and the feel of it just the whole that whole genre of all of that was just 
none of it felt out of place. It all just felt correct. And it didn't feel CGI or fake. It just felt like it was real. And a film like that wants you to make it feel like it's real. And it worked. And I think that's what makes it so special to everyone, this film, and why we're all looking forward to part two and why it's going to be amazing. But, no, it was some of the most beautifully shot things, which then had CGI plunked in front of it and looked correct. Yeah. Nolan sat there and went, that's the best use of CGI he's ever seen. That's saying a lot. <laughs> and he said that while I was at cinema. So when I came out of the cinema, um, me and my dad had both picked our jaws up off the floor. And then my dad and dad was like, yeah, he's got a point, you know. Like, yeah, of course he does. He's Christopher Nolan. But he really does, does have a point. So no, I was, was so impressed with that. It was brilliant. Film 8. Well, Award 8. The Leonardo DiCaprio Award for Perseverance and Hard Work. Which is named after Leonardo DiCaprio. Leonardo DiCaprio has got nothing to do with this award at all. And if he hears this, I'm so sorry, sir. But if you'd like to come and present it one year, that'd be amazing. Um, it's because when I started doing this, Leonardo DiCaprio didn't have an Oscar. <laughs> and I gave out an award for perseverance and hard work based on the fact that the year he did win the Oscar before I'd seen it. Um, I'd, I'd caught up on a load of other films of his and it's just like, why hasn't Leonardo DiCaprio won an Oscar? Then he won it. <laughs> so I then decided, right, he did that. So the next year, we'll name it after him. And I was going to change the name every year, but, you know, before, makes sense by calling it the Leonardo DiCaprio Award. Um, it doesn't go to Leonardo DiCaprio. It goes to Willem Dafoe for his performance in Spider-Man, which wasn't just reduced to five minutes, which was very good, because I was really worried, but it was only going to be in it for three minutes, and that was going to be it. Um, for what happened to Monday, which was a sci-fi film I watched, which was brilliant, and The Lighthouse, which was crazy and was so weird, it was so freaky, but just so worked. And it was a complete trip, and I loved it. And he just nailed it. He really, really did. Oh, I think he was in... Was he in the French Dispatch? Was he in the French Dispatch? I'm not saying it. Was... Hmm. I'm going to say he was. If he wasn't, <laughs> my bad. <sighs> this is my problem now. I've seen a lot of films this year. But everything I saw him in, he delivered. So, yeah, he was in the French Dispatch. Yeah. Um, but he was so good in everything. And, well, I mean, even in the trailer for Spider-Man, when I thought I was only going to get him for, like, two minutes, when that little pumpkin turns up and goes, <laughs> like, oh, green goblin, green goblin, green goblin. <laughs> so, yeah, Mr. Defoe, you've got Leonardo DiCaprio Award for Perseverance and Hard Work. Good on you. Now for award number seven. The film that hasn't won an award, but deserves an award for being amazing. You, this falls into any category, DVD, TV, streaming, cinema. And this was actually one of the hardest awards to actually hand out this year because, as I've said earlier, I created an award to give the Invisible Guest an award. But was it the best thing I actually saw? No, it wasn't. And I had a proper go through it. And when there was a few things at the end of the year, I thought, oh, okay, maybe this, maybe that. And then my head just kept going back and I kept going like, what about the trial of a Chicago 7? And every time I talked myself out of it, I and mean, I thought about another film that deserved its award, I was like, 
Yeah, but what about Trial of a Chicago 7? And it just kept going back. And it got to one point, and I got to one film, and I was like, Ugh. but my head didn't go back to the Trial of a Chicago 7. I was like, well, if I'm thinking that, then that film actually deserves this award and not that one. So the film that hasn't won an award but deserves an award for being an amazing movie is The Trial of the Chicago 7. It was the way it was filmed. It was the fact that at the end, I actually did stand up and applaud um, when they're all being respectful. Um, it was the way it was edited. It was the flashbacks. It was the flash forwards. It was oh, the quick dialogue. Eddie Redmayne's accent. Oh, it was... Oh, yeah, it was just one of those films that when you watched it, you just sat there and thought, yeah, you know, I'm watching something special. And I would love to have seen that in the cinema and um, seen that end bit where, and I can talk about this now because it's been out for over a year, when they start reading off the names of all the people that have died while the trial's been going on. And I reckon I stood up at home and applauded it. I think I would have stood up in the cinema and applauded that moment. We're not talking King speech. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. It was good. And the fact that my head just kept going back to, well, why didn't you think of The Trial of Chicago 7 as a film that hasn't won a war but deserves one? Prove that it deserved one because my head was still thinking about it and it was one of the very early films I watched in the last year. <sighs> That's how you make a good film, people. It really, really is. <sighs> yeah. Well done, The Trial of Chicago 7. Brilliant. Now for the sad award. The Lifetime Achievement. Unfortunately, to win this award, you have to be dead. And I've decided that this year's Lifetime Achievement Award should be going to Christopher Plummer. Bless you, sir. <laughs> Thank you for being there for my childhood and my adulthood now and being an inspiration and being a brilliant actor and being a fantastic voice. And Yeah, just thank you. Edelweiss, Edelweiss. Why that isn't Austria's national anthem? We don't sing that every single time Red Bull we're in a race. I have no idea. I mean, I'll probably be sick of it by now because I am sick of the Austrian national anthem. <laughs> and it's nothing bad for the people of Austria. It's just the fact we keep winning, which is very good. Um, but yeah, Christopher Plummer, proper legend. What a guy. God bless him. Aren't in proper heavy stuff now. These awards don't change their position ever. It's the top five final awards. This is like best director, adapted screenplay, animation, original screenplay, film of the year. That's it, it's that kind of level of the Oscars. So at number five is the award for I Stole the Show. This can mean anything. This can mean that you stole the show in a bad way or in a good way or that your appearance was just a complete, oh, okay, or that, oh, actually, yeah, it was good one-off and something like that. It could be anything. It could be anything from, like, a fox or a pig from pig or it could be that someone just nailed something when they were doing press and they stole the show and took the entire shine off the film or whatever. This year, it goes to one person. Who stole the show twice? <laughs> I mean, they were pretty nailed on to win it anyhow. And then it happened again. I was like, right, I can't not, not give this person the award. And this is your 10 second warning because 
this is going to be a spoiler for two films. <laughs> 10, 9, 8, 7. Yes, I'm doing a countdown. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2. Mute it for the next three minutes. One. It's Chris Evans. <laughs> it's Chris Evans for Free Guy and Don't Look Up. <sighs> when I went and saw Free Guy first time, when I didn't know I was going to see Free Guy, and he produces that shield, and the whole cinema went, ooh. And then Chris Evans sat there watching it on his phone and went, what? But yeah. I laughed for a very long time and I couldn't get it out of my head and I really wanted to talk to someone about it. So I promised my sister I'd take her to see Free Guy because she loves Ryan Reynolds. I also know she's, like everyone in the world, she's particularly favourable to Mr Chris Evans as well. Um, so knowing that moment was coming up when he got to that thing, she was, I, when we sat down, she was like, all right, so what, what we've got to look out for? I'm like, there's a moment. The moment will happen, but you need to keep watching. She was like, what do you mean? Like, you seriously need to keep watching. She's like, okay, fine. And it got to that moment, and I just looked out beside my eye. And the first moment happened, she went, whoa, and I had a laugh. And then Chris Evans going, what the? And she laughed for about two minutes. <laughs> because it's such a, oh, my God, moment, because you're not expecting it at all, and it just comes out of nowhere. It really does. <sighs> And then to do it again in Don't Look Up <laughs> was just like, oh, I'm sorry, what? The guy, if you've not seen Don't Look Up yet, there's a guy that's releasing a film. He's like the world's biggest actor. And he's releasing a film about the end of the world on the day the world's meant to end. And I just have his voice where I'm like, oh, it's something like Devin Peters or something like that his name was. And there he was sitting in his beanie out and his dodgy glasses being an obnoxious little what's it. And I just looked at that film poster and went, oh my God, it's Chris Evans. He's done it again. <laughs> he had a few more lines, but it completely didn't actually help the script. I haven't been to help the pop culture side of the don't look up. Um, but he did it again. So he was already probably winning the award for Free Guy, but he completely won it when he did it again. So you did, as much as both those films are epic, um, he did steal the show because the first one was more epic than the second one, but to do it, to do the cameo twice in the same year and two of the most popular films of the year, it's saying a lot. That's brilliant. Production and editing and writing and going, would you, would you, come on, would you do it? You, you know, yeah, it's epic. Now, for award number four, Unsung Hero. Unsung Hero normally goes to someone that you don't normally pay attention to in a film but is actually quite useful or is a glue or you just don't give them enough credit that they're due. Uh, previous winners include Ben Mendelsohn, Mark Ruffalo, that kind of calibre of people. This year, we are warned... Who might actually be someone that would turn up and accept it? Um, goes to Richard E. Grant. Um, I've watched quite a bit of stuff that he's been in in the last year. Um, obviously, it's not a film, but Loki, you know, what he does in Loki is amazing in the one episode that he's in. Um, I watched Spice World. 
Um, Robin Robin was really good with him in. The moment I saw that magpie, I've forgotten about Richard E. Grant was in, but the moment I saw that magpie, he went, oh, I was like, oh, Richard E. Grant's magpie. Okay. <laughs> and he was really clever in that. Um, but it's mainly for that performance in Everybody's Talking About Jamie. And his after earlier in the year we all watched um it's a sin and ruined us at that and then him talking about that in the film and the 80s um AIDS crisis and drag being a shame and what he had to go through and how he ends up changing his ways and what he does and everything like that and he inspires people to go forward and be fabulous um and then when he turns up on drag night in that outfit and he looks so fabulous it's just like that's Richard E. Grant? Huh? So, in every film, he helped inspire someone or do something to protect someone or make their lives better. And that is what an unsung hero's job really is to do. So, Richard E. Grant, congratulations. <laughs> You've won the unsung hero for 2021 and you rightly deserve it too, sir. Award number three, the first time watching Film of Year Award. Usually a film on DVD or TV on streaming, but I've not seen before. I've already handed out the DVD Film of Year, so it's pretty obvious that it's not going to be a DVD. <laughs> um, so maybe I should tell you that it's actually the film that I only watched which you haven't yet heard a review for on here. Um, it's for Don't Look Up. <laughs> um, that's why the trial of the Chicago 7 is not higher and not getting this award. And that's why I've created an award for, um, what's it, The Invisible Guest. Because Don't Look Up had the amazing ensemble cast. It had the message. It had the cameos. It had the epic storyline. It just... It just hit so many marks. Uh, that's no, there was no pun intended since the film about an asteroid hurtling towards us. Um, but DiCaprio's acting, oh, I sat there earlier in the year and earlier on telling you about how Will Smith's got his Oscar. There's a scene in this film where DiCaprio acts so well, where you do, did sit for at the end of it and go, oh, that was a lot of acting. Whoa. That's some of the best acting of your career, mate. He's got a shot. <laughs> oh, it was good. I don't want to say too much about it because I'd like to write, write lyrical about it when I do my next fortnightly review for you. Um, but, yeah, if you've not watched Don't Look Up yet, you either have no internet like my parents do because we've got Wi-Fi issues and I've had Amazon Prime from last week so I can come around here and watch sport, um, or you've not got Netflix but I think you need to find someone that has. Um, as someone that wasn't, someone that would be like, oh, no, we'll just buy Netflix and someone to do this and whatever. Since I've got it, it's been a lifesaver, and I really think that you should watch Don't Look Up as soon as you possibly can. It's stunning. It's got brilliant lesson. It's a film we need for the end of 2021. Okay, it is a little bit morbid, but it is quite funny and it's quite clever. And Anne McKay's done another epic job. I know Anne McKay's not everyone's cup of tea, which we'll get to next time, but oh, it's so good. It really is so, so good. I have to pause it here for two seconds because I've actually ran out of time on this part of the recording, so we need to move on to the next part 
the last two film awards in a second. Sorry about that. I had a little flash up come up on my screen saying that you've almost exceeded your recording time for this past podcast, which was weird. That's not happened before, and I've recorded for longer. Mm, don't know what's going on. I've not even programmed the science to be in a podcast yet, so that's very weird. I mean, there's nothing like a little bit of suspense to tell you what's going to be number two and number one, isn't it? So number two is the second award is Cinema Film of Year, which goes to the film from Cinema Club that came second on the overall list. And there'll be a lot of you go, she put that as number two. We all thought that was sold for our number one. What the heck's going on? It's gone to June. June is the cinema film of the year. Bear with, okay? June needs to be seen on as big a screen, with as big a speakers as possible. It does. I have a pretty big screen in my lounge, but it's not even the size of, like, the smallest screen of the dome. <laughs> and my speakers are okay, but they're not earth-shattering. And you need you can't watch this film on your phone. You had to go to the cinema to watch it. And anyone that then only watches it on their phone afterwards or also we have that debate with the old um, Warner Brothers HBO Max thing streaming straight away on that service. Yeah. It needs to be seen at the cinema. That's why it's there and that's why it's number two on the list. Um, mainly because number one's the golden buzzer, which is film of the year. Um I can't really award it twice, and the other film then wouldn't have been there, so it would have been at number two, and it would have been really awkward. So, so it sorted itself out really. Um, but June was absolutely outstanding. Um, jaws on the floor, um, amazing acting. Um, left off at a perfect place to then go on to part two. So clever, so stylish as i've said before cinematography which is just on point and it really really was something special and it was worth the wait it really really was worth the wait and just sat around and watched it and just thought yeah if this is what cinema should be cinema needs to be on a grand stage like this and we need all the noise, and we need the madness, and we need the budgets. We can't just all sit indoors and watch Netflix and all four and Disney Plus all the time. As much as their content's getting better and it's, you know, don't look up and we've talked about Richard E. Grant and some Disney stuff already. But we need films like this still to keep the rest of it going. Without films like this, the rest of it just falls apart. You need to see that bigger film on that bigger screen. So June basically put itself at number two because it was always going to be the film that you needed to see at the cinema more than anything else because it was probably always going to be in the top five so it was always going to be here so it, being as good as it was it shot itself in the foot especially when there was a film that just made me happier throughout as much as i'm not saying that june made me sad oh no 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 june's absolutely amazing and probably in previous years would have won normal film of the year golden buzzer but it just due to the cinematography of it and the scale and the size it's come second i mean coming second still gets you your own award gets you the cinema film of the year but it doesn't give you a golden buzzer does it 
Therefore, number one, the Golden Buzzer, Popcorn for One, Cinema Club, 2021, Film of the Year. Can I get a one film? I should really get some drums to go, shouldn't I? It goes to Free Guy. I'm sure there's people shouting at my podcast right now that it's gone to free guy. I haven't felt as happy leaving a cinema in a while as of when I left free guy. I mean, other films that I've talked about in the top 10 and a couple of other things. Um, I hadn't felt that joy in leaving cinema as much as I saw a lot of films in 2020 at home or when cinemas reopened and obviously beforehand when it was award season. Nothing gave me the pure joy and getting lost in a film and busy seeing exactly what was there as Free Guy did. I know that Ryan Reynolds plays an exaggerated version of himself as an NPC, but as someone that does actually not look after her NPCs in games, you know, Eliza Pancakes, who? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. As someone that games, and as someone that gets all the pop culture, and someone that gets all those references, that was clever. And the legal side, and the nerdiness, and the fact that actually it's sticking it to the man. But then also appreciating the boring, routinely daily cycles, and trying to change one little thing, and algorithms, and all of that. I mean, we've not even got up to all the other cameos other than Chris Evans that are in it either. Um, the YouTube content within it, um, the styles and the catchphrases and the people that just pop up around. Oh. <sighs> this is why it's one film of year, because I'm saying all of this, and all these images from the film, because I now do own it. I was given it for Christmas, but I've not watched it again since. I saw it as Secret Cinema and then took my sister to see it. I've not seen it since, but I'm just getting all of these images going back in my head from the film in order. And I'm sitting here and I'm talking about it and my smile is like up to my ears right now. I'm looking like the Joker. I'm smiling that much. And I think that's probably why I'm giving it film of the year because it just made me happy. And I know that there could have been better writing and it could have been cleverer and some of the jokes are played really easily, but... I just sat there and smiled throughout the film and I laughed and I had a good time and I love Goldie the Fish. I forgot Goldie the Fish when I was chatting about animals. I know I'm so sorry, Goldie. Um, but all of it, I mean, the fact that it gets to the end and you get one happy ending and then you think, oh, okay, yeah, that's what they've all worked out in the real world what this is going on. So when you go back to the artificial world, you're just like, well, now what? We're going to have a cheap joke here and you think oh okay we're gonna have a cheap joke but then that gets a happy ending as well and you just sit there and you just think yay because you didn't think we were gonna get it and you just did and yeah i'm smart i'm smiling thinking about the other free guy and you know i watched that back in august and i'm still sitting there feeling happy thinking about Free Guy and how much of a film it was. And if that's not a reason to give something a golden buzzer, I don't know what is. So my film of 2021 that I watched, which was the best, 
was Free Guy. And I know there's going to be a lot of people that are angry at that and want June to be number one. But that's why June came second, okay? June put herself into a corner as much as I smiled and had fun watching June. June was very intense. Free Guy was just a popcorn blockbuster, which you sat there and you finish it and you just go, <sighs> I've been singing Mariah Carey since August. <laughs> you know, Mariah Carey, you defrost at Christmas, don't you? <sighs> yeah. The Golden Buzzer and the Popcorn for One Cinema Club 2021 Film of the Year is Free Guy. And it is such a relief after months of trying to decide what my favourite film has been to say that out loud and for you all to hear it. Ah! <sighs> and breathe a meal. Breathe. And that is that. That's the end of the awards and that's the end of this week's podcast. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode, this bonus one. Um, Thank you for listening throughout the year. That's been amazing. I know there's probably not that many of you, but those of you that have stuck with it, thank you very much. Uh, Should be having the fortnightly episodes back to normal on the 12th of January. I say should. 12th is my sister's birthday. She hasn't decided what she's doing yet, but we will be discussing that over the next week or so, so then you will all know what's going on there. Um, but we will be going to fortnightly podcasts again every Wednesday. Um, there will be a bit of a setup change with the actual structure of the podcast, um, but I will explain that when we get to that in two weeks' time. So thank you all so much for listening. You know where to find me by now. It is popcorn underscore four underscore one on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. And it's popcornforone.co.uk for the actual blog in its entirety. And we will see you and speak to you on January the 12th. Thank you all so much for listening. Take care. Bye.